Well, uh, so I'm at Dell EMC World this week, uh, you know, which, which is actually delightful. It's here in Austin. I, I've managed, with, with the help of some of my uh, press and analyst relation friends, I've secured a room with a clock in it and some good lighting. But that's not what I wanted to talk about at first. I wanted to make a suggestion for the restauranteurs out in the world, uh, which is if you're going to make a mole dish, right, it'd be mole enchiladas, mole chicken, whatever, like you should really like look to differentiate yourself. Just somehow spice it up. Like it doesn't have to be like spicy. I mean, that would be nice actually, like if it was hot, but there's got to be something about it that's like different because, you know, I'm sure you two are in a similar position. You've eaten a lot of mole in your life, right? And you can tell some mole that's basically just like, eh, I don't know, make that sauce brown and call it mole versus like mole that someone's actually like worked on. Now, I had lunch at Soli Luna, and I would say they're kind of uh, in the middle. They had some interesting mole. It wasn't terrible. It didn't come from some jar on aisle five at HEB or anything. Right, right. But, uh, I know that jar. Yes, yeah. It's got the <laughs> yellow label. It looks like, you know, if, if you were uh, a single man living alone, you would keep it as a cup for your, your, uh, your cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you. Wow. That's, <laughs> no. But, but, yeah, so many restaurants, the mole is like, Oh, this is the same mole that everyone else has. And, and, and I like mole, but I like a mole that's kind of like, whoa, hey, what's going on here? Right? I want it to surprise me. And, and, but because I have been burned by, by the boring mole so much, like I very rarely ever you know, order mole. And so I just want to say for, all, for, for the thousands of people who subscribe and listen to this podcast who also run <laughs> restaurants, just, just surprise me. Just please. Let's, yeah. let's sort out but the mole. But to be fair, Coach A, I, I think I'm gonna, um, you are a native Austinite, as I recall, right? Mm-hmm. And and then, remember, you native Texan? Is that correct? Uh, I was born in Austin. Born, yeah. you know, also a native Austinite. So listen, I'm going to represent the non-native Austinites, that you guys are, are mole snobs. Because to most of the rest of the world, like mole itself is differentiating. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, fair wow, enough. what is this mole stuff? I've never had it, right? So, so Whereas, yeah. You guys have sort of transcended and, and really are aficionados. Uh, I, I would say, you know, maybe hipsters. Yeah. You know, you're, you're bringing <laughs> I, I a I level so, of uh, sophistication to Mexican yeah. food that um, the thousands of listeners probably do not have. At now least the ones that are not. That, is, that is that is good input that I will take as guidance for optics because there is nothing I loathe more than maybe nothing I loathe. There's a lot of things I loathe more, but I think it's delightfully uh, hilarious when you like. Let's say you're in D.C. Or no, you're not in D.C. It's the opposite of that. You're like, I want to go get some Ethiopian food. And so you go look in Yelp and you like look up uh, reviews wherever you may be for Ethiopian food. And I guarantee to you, half of the reviews will start exactly like this. Well, I used to live in D.C., so my expectations for Ethiopian <laughs> food are, are very high. And you're like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so maybe, maybe if you were to go read reviews about mole, you know, it would be like that if Matt Ray or I wrote them. So I'll... I'll, yeah, I'll take that under advisement. And 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 you know, and then I'm at the far end of the spectrum here, where I might not have mole on this continent, and <laughs> I'd be pretty happy to get the stuff, the the brown stuff. You're, you're saying right. you're saying they could just pour some like thick, thick liquid mud on your your tortillas, and you'd be like, mm, mole. Uh, that probably Vegemite, but oh yeah. I mean, the uh, <laughs> the other day, my six year old turns to me and says, Dad. I miss breakfast tacos. <laughs> <laughs> that a boy. <laughs> I was like, me too, son. Me too. Of course, his, his definition is, is uh, pigs in a blanket from Rudy's, so not quite the same thing. <laughs> hey, that is something to be missed as well. The, uh, I was going to say, equally good. Equally yeah. good and very kid-friendly. That's yeah. a very good yeah, uh, maybe you, that's- Matt, right? This sounds like opportunity for you. In addition to spreading the love of chef... I mean, just throw it. I mean, it doesn't have to be all of Tex-Mex. Just breakfast tacos. That's an easy entry point for most yeah, people. You know, they, they, have, uh, they have tortillas, um, well-stocked for tortillas in the grocery store. They call them wraps, but it's tortillas, mm-hmm. um, as far as I can tell. You know, it's, it's the same brands. It's, uh, you know, uh, Old El Paso and, uh, you know, whoever the big tortilla brands are um you know, not big too... tortilla and their conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> i'm just trying to blank on the name but you know it's, uh, it's like a tio or tia isn't it one of your aunts or uncles running the t- tortilla brand somewhere next to old el paso like el, el milago or i don't know it, it, yeah it, it's a big brand mm-hmm. um and so they have that the salsa selection is slim but uh there was a there's like a whole foods type restaurant or uh, grocery store near us 
and they had Stubbs barbecue sauce. Ooh. That was strange. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. But uh, yeah, I, the the Mexican food I've had here has not been um, up to snuff. Yeah. It's Taco Cabana grade. I, yeah. I, and and sometimes Taco Cabana surprises, but uh, bad or good. Um, anyway, well, at least they got that salsa bar. I mean, you could just eat off of that. <laughs> Get a little pico de gallo. Mm. So now, speaking of that, what what's the update on Australia, Matt? Right, one. No good breakfast tacos. We know that. Like, what? Uh, like, hit us with some Australia stuff. What's going on? Over uh, there? I yeah. So um, Australia is going well. Uh, we've got. Um, I spoke at a meetup last night. I'm speaking at another meetup next week and another the week after that. Um, keep them busy. Um, you know, customers are are coming in and uh, community is growing. So. Yeah, you know, we were signing up partners. It's uh it's all going really well. Um, you know, the it's I've gotten to go to Melbourne five or six times. I've seen Brisbane, I've seen Gold Coast, I've been to New Zealand twice. Uh I'm going to Japan next week. Uh not only do I have uh Australia and New Zealand, we're also responsible for APAC. Mm. So um I, I missed a trip to Singapore last week, uh, but next week I'm going to Japan. Or the next week, I'm going to Japan. No, yeah. oh. so yeah, keeping me busy. And and then, do you have any uh, any zany cultural observations other than I mean that the fact that they call tortillas wraps that's a pretty good one. I, <laughs> I think I, it's like a California thing, though. I mean, ooh. you know, they're they're trying to bring in you know they're just like oh you're gonna make a wrap. It's like this is a tortilla. Yeah, I think uh, that, I, I think let me just I think the Californians should know better. They just call it a tortilla. Right. Like, well, uh, yeah, um, yeah, but uh, well, so I'll, okay. Let me let me let me throw this out. I have a theory uh, out of many of them that every culture, every every cuisine culture has a a flat bread of some type, right? So you've got tortillas. The, speaking of Ethiopian food, they got that soda bread. You have uh, crackers. You got uh, matzah or whatever. Like like I, I don't really know what the Chinese flat bread would be. Like noodles don't count. But so. Is there some sort of flat bready item in in Australian cuisine? Uh, they really like pies. Mm, um, they like pies. I'm trying to think. Like a shepherd's yeah. pie. Yeah, yeah, like like savory pies. Savory pies. Um, okay. And and I can't get my kids to get into them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they have a you know so so Australia isn't really. I mean, they have their own cuisine, but it's not you know particularly native. It's a lot of stuff blended together. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, obviously a lot of British influence, a lot of Asian influence. So they have good restaurants. I don't know if if there's a particular Australian cuisine other than you know barbecue and things, uh, or you know putting things on the barbie. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if they have a flatbread and and I. Probably would if if they could. Okay. Um, All right. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, because because definitely there's there's uh, a lot of Asian stuff, a lot of Asian cuisine. So I've had, you know, um, a lot of Thai and 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 uh, uh, Indian food, and and they've got their flatbreads, and and everyone's got a dumpling. Exactly. You got the naan, yeah. another flatbread. Yeah. And roti, and so yeah, uh, they've got. They've got good food here, um, but maybe that's just a function of living in Sydney. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So, so uh, there's no there's no segue to the next item, Matt Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to think of something, but you know, yet again, I think I think there is some news in the infrastructure software world where I can ask you, Matt Ray, can you explain to me what's going on here now? Embarrassingly for me, it's sort of like in in my uh, my neck of the woods or whatever. But so so you we got a news item here, right? That uh, that you can run Kubernetes or however you pronounce that in the Photon platform. And I think I think when Photon first came out, I understood what it was. But then I stopped paying attention because I, I wanted to survey some like mole. I got distracted, and and I I read what I what what felt like a pretty good write up by uh, I believe it's Scott M. Fulton the third. Uh, at the new stack, and he kind of gave an overview and is actually doing some reporting about it. And and I think I have a notion of what the kind of the, the photon idea is, but but I just wanted to confirm that with with someone who I know probably knows what it is. So, 
somebody who pretends. Um, yeah, so so Photon is when it first launched. Um, I was like, really? That's what you're going to do? Um, because it, it looked a lot like uh, Red Hat's Project Atomic, which, uh, you know, some might say looks a lot like CoreOS. And so it, it, going back, you know, CoreOS um, wanted to provide a tiny, tiny operating system for running containers. And, you know, at some point, I, I thought that they said and virtualization, but you know, I think you know they're they're sticking to just containers now. And and as CoreOS the company's grown, that that message has changed from you know just containers to Google infrastructure, where they're going to do a little storage, a little bit of you know, service registry, maybe you know maybe at some point they'll start launching you know some of the the Google functions. But they you know CoreOS is, has tried to be your on-prem Google infrastructure. You know, Google for yeah. everyone else is, is their their motto. And, and so Atomic, when it launched, was Red Hat saying, all right, yeah, we can do containers too. Our containers will be, you know, we'll, we'll bring in a lot of the Red Hat uh, DNA and we'll do, you know, we'll do certified containers and you're going to run your container host on v, on, on Red Hat. Just you know, straight up, you don't even bother with running it on bare metal. You're going to run it on a Red Hat hypervisor, um, and it's going to give you a service registry, and you know it's going to use a bunch of Red Hat technologies, and and you know still kind of not be that different from Red Hat. And then Photon, when it launched, I, it looked a lot like like Project Atomic, where um, where it used some of the same technologies, it was RP. I, I want to say it was RPM based. Maybe used OS tree, and, and so it kind of looked like you know somebody had looked at Project Atomic closer than than CoreOS, which is uh, Chromium based. You know that the the Google OS, uh, the Google Linux OS for appliances. Right. Um, and, and so, <laughs> way off in the weeds here. Um, so Photon at first, I was like, oh yeah, that's a nice toy. You know, I, I mean, it, it seemed. It, 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 when they launched it, it only had like six contributors, and it didn't look fully baked. But now that I've kind of seen it, you know, a year later, uh, it's got a lot more context to it. They're trying to put Photon into a a bigger position of this is you're probably going to run e, a lot of VMware ESX, um, but if you're gonna just run containers, let's give you. Um, this container hosting OS that's a little slimmer than ESX, but it can take advantage of the whole VMware ecosystem. And so they're bringing in things like the vSAN and uh, uh, NSX, and they're adding support for all the things that you know, VMware shops are likely to have. And this huge VMware ecosystem, they're trying to bridge that with Photon. And it's 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 a good strategy, you know, given if you're coming, you know, if you're VMware and that's where you're coming from, you know, you want to take advantage of what you have, and so Photon, Photon. I, my understanding is you're going to mix, you know, some ESX and some Photon, um, depending on your workloads, and then vCenter will still sit on top of it all and become, you know, a scheduler for, you know, oh, this is a container workload, this is a VM workload, probably, you know. Reading the tea leaves uh, and and some of the release notes that you know eventually you'll be able to say well this is going to run Photon on EC2 mm. this is going to run you know Photon on ESX uh, and so VMware's bringing a lot of their virtualization security story into play as well so you know it, it's it's interesting um, and so the latest press release is you know oh Photon now does Kubernetes too. Um, so, so this is you know VMware throwing themselves into the the Kubernetes camp, uh, not the Mesos camp, not the Docker Swarm camp, um, not the Nomad camp. Uh, so, you know, if you think about container orchestrators, there's you know there's kind of three or four camps, and uh, you know Kubernetes seems to have the most hats in it. Um, you know, but but Docker Swarm, of course, is coming from Docker, and you know it's got uh, it's got some you know. Amazon supports both. Um, Microsoft supports Swarm and Azure and uh, Mesosphere. Um, so there's there's a lot of overlap as well. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so that's well. Well, that's let, me, let me let me. I mean, speaking <laughs> of overlap, that that was a wonderful overview, Matt Ray. That is why that is why we pay you the big bucks on this podcast because <laughs> you actually know what you're talking about. Uh, checks in the mail, oh. as they say. Uh, so, you know. I get really confused on all this stuff because I feel like what maybe they have an Australian version of this game, but you know, like where you, you put your hands underneath someone else's and you're always trying to slap each other and you're figuring out who ends up on top. And it seems like there's this like weird but epic battle for the stack going on, right? So, so, so we got containers and I guess mm -hmm. the idea, unlike the last cycle, the idea is that uh, containers are going to replace VMware. Right, like if VMware does nothing, I, I think I think that's kind of what the battle's over, right? The fundamental unit, the atom, if you will, the fundamental unit of com computational running is going to be a container. Now, the whole like unikernel weirdos can come in and, and be all cool and, and you know go smoke out on the curb and all that stuff, but that's a different story. They go hang out with the theater nerds, but like so basically, containers are going to take over. So then then the battle becomes uh, well. How are we going to make money off of that? And I guess from a technological standpoint, there are four ways to make money, I think. There, I mean, you still have to have a computer and run some kind of operating system that your thing runs on. Like, I don't know. I mean, unikernel people, I guess, are like bare metal containers, metaphorically speaking. But there's going to be some little OS that runs that like boots up and gives you all your stuff, right? Yeah, but th there's no money there. Right, right. Oh, sure, sure. So... You know that is so. I'm st that's the thing you got, and then you're running containers. So one might make money on containers, like that could still be decided. Like it looks probably like that's not going to pan out in the same. You know, like it, for whatever reason. So you're running the containers, right? So you could make money off of the containers or the hypervisor or whatever the container runner is. But we kind of like are conceding that's not going to happen. So then the second thing you might make money on is like management of it. But there's, I guess there's two parts of that. It's just classic systems management of monitoring it and doing, you know, your, your monitoring and stuff. Or there's, as everyone knows, what, I, what is annoyingly for me called scheduling because it makes me think of batch job management, but workload placement. And then also making orchestration. sure... Orchestration. There you go. Yeah, you go. That, 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 I was corrected on that by, by a representative of one of those types of companies. They're like, we like to call it container orchestration because mm. I was calling it scheduling. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that's, that's nice. I've, 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 uh, I've dallied in marketing myself too, bro. I love it. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, so you got orchestration, which I'll concede. I mean, you know, if I wanted to be really crazy, we could call it choreography. That would be fun, fun, uh, fun stuff. Mm, with, that's different. With the big wooden stick banging on the floor and people in tight pants and stuff. But um, like, so then you've got orchestration, which is basically like we got all these containers and different processes, things running in those containers have to be placed on them. And as they die or need to be resuscitated or, play, or come and go, we need to manage that. So that's like a third way of doing it. So you can make money off of that. And, and, and once I get to the end of this, we'll figure out where all these people fit in before we run out of time. And then the fourth way is like, you know, what, what my company likes to do is like, that's all nice. We're going to make money off of everything that you run on top of all that nonsense, right? Like what, and, and whatever all, there's going to be many different stacks. This is the heterogeneous play, right? Like there's going to be all sorts of different stacks at the infrastructure layer. And what becomes valuable is paying for how you do your applications on top of them, either package software or SaaS or whatever, or applications that you write on your own. And that's where all the money's going to be. Now, there's also hardware and other stuff like that. But it seems like those are like, based on my shallow understanding of the technology, like the four businesses you have running there. So then you go look at, or at least I go look at something like a Kubernetes or a Mesosphere or a um, whatever, all, Docker and, and, and all the other ones. And they're all kind of like trying to define that gobbledygook that I was just going over and kind of lay out the, the technology stack. And each of them kind of inserts and plays at different layers of it. And that's where I get really confused about stuff. Because they all seem to be kind of saying the same thing, but in a different order, doing different stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they're all very similar to the point where, you know, if you are a customer of, say, a Mesosphere and you're unhappy, you could probably hire some sharp engineers to port you over to, to Kubernetes or, right. you know, go from Kubernetes to Swarm. Because um, if you squint at them, they're not that different. This is more this is more like porting between Unixes than porting between Linux to Windows. See, I was going to ask about is is this is this more like Unix world or Linux distros? 
right? Because the Unix people, like Solaris AIX and SCO, they were all kind of different, right? Versus Linux is like, as far as I can tell, there's basically the files just have different paths, and one of them uses well, one package manager versus the other. I, I think the Linux distro comparison is good because what you have between those Linux distros is a shared kernel. They're all running, they all support the mm. same format. You know, the Linux mm. kernel, or in this case, you know, the Docker container. You can say, oh, what about, you know, run C and, and OCI and all the, the standards, but like for 90% of the people out there, nine, more than 90, it, like Docker is the lingua franca. And and you know they can support Docker in different ways, and they can you know turn it into another container format. But when people talk about this, they talk about Docker, and and so Docker becomes the packaging format where you have you know you have your application, it sits in a container, and I can now run it, um, you know ostensibly on Mesosphere, on Kubernetes, on Swarm, on on Nomad, no no matter where. Um, as long as, and I can run it in the cloud, I can run it on the on prem, and so that's that's pretty awesome and amazing. You know, I mean, hats off to the the Docker folks for making that you know port, uh, palatable to the masses because you know the the graybeards out there will say, oh, we had this before, but you know, you didn't. What you had right, you know, right. was the, you know the underlying OS stuff, but it wasn't easy to consume. Yeah. And now you, that they've you, you, you always got your, your your Brian Cantrells of the world coming in and being like, oh, Solaris, Solaris. And you know, <laughs> not that it's wrong or anything, but it's just like a, the sort of a, a fringe perspective at the moment. Yeah, but but even Joyant leaned into it, right? So, sure. So, the reason I'm like uh, fiddling around here and making a fool of myself is like, what confuses me is like I don't understand how a Kubernetes and a Photon aren't like the same thing, right? Like, and then I also know that like Mesosphere like layers on like like the layering always gets very confusing. Like it seems like it seems like what would be easy for me to understand is like Kubernetes, Mesosphere, Docker, whatever Photon is, these all compete against each other. Eventually, you buy just one of these things. But I'm pretty sure, like, technologically at the moment, the way it works is, like, you just kind of blend it all together somehow. Well, yeah. You, you kind of you pick a stack, and you have vendors who will sell you the full stack. So you've got, you know, CoreOS will sell you the operating system of CoreOS with the sell you support and you know some other supporting tools so you know you can buy your stack from them you can buy it from vmware where they'll sell you you know esx and photon at the low level vcenter um and kubernetes you know with their kubernetes stuff mixed with photon as you know your interface into this stuff um you can skip them and go straight to a hosted cloud version of it so google container engine um elastic container service um you know, so Matt, right, what are they? Service. What are those running? Because that seems to be, you know, to Cote's question about how to make money. That seems sort of a maybe the simplest way is, you know, Amazon and all the cloud vendors will just say, hey, we just this is just another thing that you can run, and we'll bill you by the, you know, the minute yeah. or second. Like so, like what do you know? Like so, Amazon, right? So I, I, you know, I went out, guys, did some some heavy research this week. I talked to some all people right. involved in the Amazon uh, elastic container. What is it? Elastic, I don't know, container service. The research wasn't that heavy, apparently. Uh, wasn't that heavy. Well, anyway, the the word I got was not surprising, right? They just they were just saying that it's one of you know I don't know the top five fastest growing Amazon things ever, which honestly not that surprising, right? Like Amazon doing containers and people adopting it, it seems like that would grow really fast. But what is you know, my understanding is like that's their own management or orchestration. Yeah, but but or is that is that the case? Yeah, so they they adopt um, the APIs of the other tools. So they say, oh yeah, you just take your you know your Docker um, compose file, which is you know how Docker lays out uh, multi-node deployments, and says just upload this and we'll we'll schedule it for you. So you know you have that that common API, and 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 Azure Stack. Uh, works the same way and kubernetes works the same way where you know you define this is what my stack looks like i'm going to use you know this container you know i'm going to use you know these containers to do my database these containers to do my uh my application and you know we'll just pull those from a container registry and so 
you know, uh, Docker has standardized a lot of those pieces. You know, they've given you, you know, here's how you deploy a, a you know a multi-tier application. Here's how you deploy. Uh, you know, here's where you store your your containers. And this is kind of the reason why Docker's had a hard time monetizing is because as they've defined those interfaces, uh, you know, those pieces of the mix, there's been somebody willing to take it and run with it either, you know, before they got there or just as fast as them and embrace and extend the work that they've done. And so, you know, Docker comes out on stage and says, you know, hey, Amazon's supporting Docker and Docker and, and Amazon says, yeah, we have our own container registry. You know, which is something that Docker monetizes. Um, so, so now we have our own. Just to clarify, a little footnote here, like so. Basically, Docker is defining a bunch of interfaces. You could call them APIs yeah. if you wanted to seem cool. Basically, it's a de facto standard of uh, like an API set for how what the container looks like and how it would be managed. So then, for example, if you're Amazon, you can just implement those interfaces with your own code and like be like, sure, works great. And, and then all of a sudden you're and like... To be Docker precise, sir, that's Docker Swarm. Is that right, Matt Ray? Those are the... Uh, the no, Swarm is, mm-hmm. Swarm is the the scheduler uh, orchestrator engine, right? So okay. it, that's the, the back end for you know having a bunch of different hosts manage the containers among them. Uh-huh. And the, the interface is Compose, uh, which is uh, like YAML for... for, for describing your stack and kubernetes uses pods which are slightly different where you say you know here is our our little cluster of you know here's our multi-tier application you know and then you hand it to the scheduler who goes in and deploys it for you and manages it okay so let's go back and simplify (laughs) sorry go back and make it uh if i'm today uh if i'm if i've embraced the world of containers and i'm i'm just gonna let's just pick two let's just say like i've maybe grabbed docker swarm Maybe I'm using that, or maybe I'm using Kubernetes. So we'll just leave those two, right? We'll just say they're the okay. leaders, even if even if that's not 100 percent true. And then it's like, well, then someone comes in, is like, man, we should just, you know, some executive comes in, is like, we should put this in the cloud, right? Somebody yeah. just says that, right? That seems like it happens a lot. And these guys are like, okay, we're going to move to Amazon's EC2 container service, right? Yes. How, like, so if we were in the, the meeting, the, the, the estimation meeting, it's like. All right, guys. I need everything to run in Amazon's EC2 container service, and we're coming from Swarm or Kubernetes. How much work do we think we have in front of us? So Swarm would be easy. Um, Swarm would be easy because Amazon's using the same interface. So with Swarm, you know, it's got it's got an API, but you know, you're handing it a a uh, a YAML file that describes your application layout, you know, your multi-tier application. ECS uses that same API. Okay. So, you know, if you're, if you're moving, you know, and so maybe you're running Swarm on-premise, or maybe maybe you're running Swarm on EC2, where you're actually managing your own host. All you're doing now is saying, well, I'm not going to manage the host. Amazon will go and schedule my containers for me. And it just okay. takes out it takes out managing the Docker engine, which is kind of equivalent to the hypervisor. Um, and Swarm is kind of like your vSphere, where it's managing managing multiple hypervisors and yeah. scheduling the workloads on top of it. And so Amazon just says, "Yeah, we we got that for you. Just you know, we'll keep your containers running. We'll you know, we'll follow you know any sort of affinity rules you have, and we're good to go." Right, so this seems like the likely answer to Code Tay's question. Like, I mean, if we were just to pick, like, where's the money going to come from? Assuming Amazon's container service continues to be to evolve and be really good, which it will, right? I mean, it's clear they're putting a lot of time and effort into it, and there isn't like some other, you know, massive, you know, trend or something proprietary about it that gets adopted. Which right, is like their their, their orchestration the, service has no hidden tapes from two thousand five. Where they <laughs> yeah, there are no videos of, of uh, the container service doing something wrong. Then it seems that, and then I'm, I'm at Google, right? Same kind of thing, right? That the money here is just going to be like this is another way to pay Amazon or Google or IBM or Azure, or whoever, right? All these guys, right? Like. That's where it would be likely to be where the money is versus someone traditionally going out and buying a license of a container management service. I mean, I'm, saying, I'm not saying that won't happen at all, but it seems to be a much, much smaller, like a fractional piece of where this market is likely going. I mean, is that a right. fair, 
fair. Yeah, that, 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 that's absolutely judgment. fair. I mean, so 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 Docker Inc. You know, they're going to charge for. Uh, you know, they're giving away Docker, the the container format. They're giving away Docker Engine, Microsoft shipping Docker Engine. Um, you know, that's all open source. Uh, and then when you get to Swarm, which is also open source, um, they're shipping uh, commercial products that make it easier to you know handle all the security and <laughs> Active Directory and, and fun stuff like that. Um, and so they'll they'll sell you the you know data center management layer um, for for you know managing a data center of containers, uh, which you know that's kind of the same value Amazon's doing for you, um, and and Google's strategy here is well you know we're going to give away that layer kubernetes is the swarm layer right and we're going to build the lingua franca for that and be the best place to run it so so you know amazon right now is saying yeah docker swarm uh, or you know docker you just run it here and we got a container service and and you know it follows along with docker's apis uh but it doesn't add a lot of value on top of that yet um and Google is, you know, pushing their, you know, their platform more aggressively because Amazon, you know, Amazon doesn't own Docker, uh, so they're just following along with that. And and Google is actively getting other companies to push Kubernetes, mm. which in the long term, it, you know, means when you start to say, oh, where am I going to run Kubernetes? The best place will be Google, of course, right? Google Container yeah. Engine. Um, so you know, that's that's the play there and, and google has more community around more open source uptake of kubernetes um you know it's pretty much a, uh, it's one of the most active projects on, on on github um but so is docker right and you know who gets left out a little bit is is mesosphere and and uh HashiCorp's nomad um Mesosphere has they're on Azure. They've got uh, some good partners. Um, I, you know, they've they've got a lot of partnerships and stuff. Um, and they're coming in from a more like they existed before the Docker uh, you know bubble started, or not a bubble, but you know the the hype cycle started. And they've got a lot of big customers and cred and, and you know enterprise credibility. And so they're trying to go in and make this you know enterprise palatable. Mm. Um, they all want to do that, but you know. My impression is, is uh, Mesosphere, the company, has a, a bit of a head start. On, on, but, you know, Red Hat and, and VMware now are, are going to come in and try to make Kubernetes the, the, uh, the enterprise play. Mm. See, now, I, I want all the listeners to appreciate it. It's like, it's like 6.40 a.m. in the morning. I don't think Matt Ray has <laughs> even had one cup of coffee yet. And he can still done. he can still hold forth about all this nonsense. That's amazing. You must, you must yeah, sleep well so at night. <laughs> maybe but you know someday where somebody's going to come on you know probably like andrew or you know uh somebody and like yeah that mary doesn't know what he's talking about yeah that's that's fine to, to that's to the me. day we stop doing this podcast <laughs> we're out then that's over. Oh, that no. oh no yes as, as, as everyone knows we uh we have a lot of guests on the podcast that happens <laughs> right. uh so to summarize matt ray's investment thesis i'm just now going to put a lot of words in his mouth uh Uh-oh. it would just be uh um, container management shorted. Like if you're just a, a flat out software vendor, like you're just like trying to build container management and then you just want to sell perpetual licenses. Bad news, guys. Bad, bad news. This, there's not going to be a lot of money there. Um, but there will be a lot of money in all the cloud vendors. Because, I, I mean, it does seem like this is the way everyone is going to want to deploy their new cloud native applications, right? It's just leveraging the container management services. So that means that there is, I guess, a new battleground for the cloud the cloud guys right like if you can make your container management service so much better than another cloud vendors that would give you a, a significant uh-huh. leg up but but it seems like there's going to be so much competition here that a future parity should almost by definition emerge right like no one's going to get like everyone's working on this so it's impossible to get blindsided by it right right i i, I would agree that it's impossible to get blindsided, but I disagree with the can't make money. It depends on what's your definition of making money. If you're thinking that you're going to hold on to, <clears throat> you know, five billion dollars of of revenue based on a hypervisor, uh, that's going to be hard. If you're a startup and you're thinking, 
I can go out, carve out a niche, get scooped up. That's still, you know, there's a gold rush going on in the container space of startups looking to be acquired. Um, you know, I don't think any of them thinks that they're going to be the next VMware. You know, they'll say that they want to be the next VMware, but you know, that, that ship has probably sailed in the container space. All right. So my question would be like, I'm, I'm doing some real time research here. Docker as of, uh, the Crunchbase, you know, Uh-oh. so let's say Crunchbase. So they have now raised $180.8 million in six rounds from uh, 19 uh, investors. And they've done, surprisingly, they've done seven acquisitions. That's more than I would have thought, but good for them. So um, that seems to, like, to me, their aspirations clearly to those investors are to be a VMware, right? Given oh, yeah. that yeah. level. And I don't, you know, and I didn't, so, because we had a, there was a company here in Austin we talked about, I think it was Stack Engine, right, back in the yeah, day? Yeah, Stack Engine. Um, yeah. Much different, right? I think they, just a few million dollars, maybe even, you know, kind of like seed round, and then they were bought by Oracle, and I think those guys are actually, you know, down here, you know, they're going to, you know, build a, a big office down there on the lake, and I, I bet you they did pretty well, right? So that one, I, I see those kinds of, I, to your point, right, that seems like very much a technology technology acquisition and you know another in this case oracle trying to put together an offering and they'll maybe do some more so you have i i'm with you on that i see those guys getting bought but like kubernetes and docker seem like they are going for it um, yeah and you know and, maybe, and again i guess maybe there's nothing wrong to try it just it feels hard right it feels like it feels like the world like my theory is like every like uh, evolution of like the hardware software cycle, like the customers get smart and they they won't allow the same licensing model to be applied. Like mainframe, they had this like, oh, we'll just count how many MIPS, and people are like, we're never doing that again. And then like right. PC was like, okay, you just pay us for every single user, and then people are like, never doing that again. And so now it seems like, well, the orchestration will be free, but the hosting and running of it <laughs> um, is the way people are going to make money. And then maybe it circles back around where people are like, hey, forget it. I'm tired of paying this hosting people. And computing is so good and so fast that it's cheaper to do all. You know, it could even go back again, right? Come back all the way around. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But it seems like Docker and Kubernetes are really going for it. And that seems like a really hard place to be right now. It, yeah. And, and it would not be... It'd be hard to have a breakout success, but if you're small and you take just a little bit of VC and you have you know some killer feature, Docker's done seven acquisitions, right? I I mean I I know somebody who was at a company that was acquired that uh, that was their pitch. They're like, you know, Docker's going to need this. You know, this is going to be a feature that Docker needs. And he said there are five of us, five startups trying to be that acquisition. And yeah. you know, Doc, Docker acquired one of them, and uh, somebody else acquired you know that guy's company, and you know I don't know if the others are still around. You know he didn't rattle off who who they thought their competitors were, but there's a lot of you know bloom, blooming you know, of little you know container startups that come and go pretty fast. Um, and you know maybe you can course correct and do some consulting and you know make yourself carve out a niche, but you know you have. To, that's that's how you know that's how started. Yeah, work. no, we need to come up with like a name for that. I mean, I think when you're just sort of like completing, like there's a well-known problem, but it's really hard, and you have to complete like a large feature set. Like the things that come to mind, right? Obviously, AI is in that category, and then self-driving cars, where you know you see like these companies quietly get bought, and they're just you know they're just sort of bought and integrated into like the the, the machine, whether it's Apple or Google. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's a different version of, of that. It's like, hey, we can complete this aspect, this feature set faster and do it better. And it will make a lot more sense for the company to do that. When they do their buy versus build uh, analysis, they'll just decide to buy us, right? And that, yeah. I, I think it's, that's a very valid, uh, if you're smart enough to like keep the VC right down, that's, a, I think, a very good strategy. It's probably yeah, I mean, much more a, likely to also, hit. It's like Darwinian product management. You're like, it, I would <laughs> rather have five people trying to figure this out and I'll pick the winner in so much as I have to buy them uh, versus if I'm doing it, this is like the Monty Hall problem, right? Like if I show you three doors, uh, if you only picked one door, you've developed the product yourself, then you've only got a third chance of it being successful, but you can just wait for all the other doors to be eliminated and you got like a 50-50 chance to do it. And similarly, like <laughs> if you have five other people like developing this, you can just kind of see which one wins and buy them. And it's probably going to be love cheaper. I love uh, just how calm and rational you are. Because I, I, as you're saying that, I'm like, well, 
what I really think is if you have five other people building it, you really have six because you always have an internal team mm. that's like building it, right? Yes. An internal team is like, this is so good. We're almost done. It's going to kick ass. And then there's somebody walks in the room and is like, I just downloaded this other thing and it's totally done. It's really good. And they're like, no, 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 it isn't. And then there's like this war and there's lots of meetings and there's like yeah. quite a bit of PowerPoint going on. Um, but I like the way you, you present it. Like it was just so rational. I was like, well, we'll just pick the best one and everyone will be good with it. And like, wow, that's like a great idea. Never I know. seen that happen. Doesn't that sound and nice that and be, clean? That would be a real good place to work. Yeah. yeah that's when you got the, the fresh and clean strategy going on. Yeah, I like that. Just like real mellow. Oh, we did an evaluation. This is the best. And we're all just going to pick it. And no one's going to be mad. Oh, we, that's we, great. Uh, Love we, that. We, we asked Watson which one we should use. And it computer. Oh, only. <laughs> only. Well, you know, oh. I, I, like, I like the way that Brandon's boiled this down because it, it seems like, before, before we kind of close out the topic here and wrap up, like it seems like, so the play going on is the theory of, of Matt Ray's investment theory on, on all this mess is, uh, we should register that domain name, uh, is the money will be in running the software. And in running it, there might be some proprietary knowledge about better orchestrating and scheduling or something, right? Like, and this is a bad example, but it's kind of like the type of thing I'm thinking. Like I, 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 I read... Uh, earlier that uh, that Pivotal Cloud Foundry runs on Google Cloud now, and that we are going to uh, move our public instance of it, Pivotal Web Services, off to run on that, because there's a thing that Google Cloud does where, like, if you don't actually use all of your instance, they refund money to you, and they can kind of, like, analyze that so we'll save a ton of money or something, right? And so, like, that obviously could be replicated, you know, at some point, but there's probably little things like that that are proprietary to each cloud you're using. So the value is basically in how someone runs this thing, not what the thing is. So then Google's motivation would be like, well, we'll give away the thing. Like Red Hat can run it. Other people can run it. We don't care. We're just going to run it. We're basically going to be an MSP that can run it the best out of everyone. And therefore, we will make exactly. the money in that way. And then Amazon's play is kind of like, if people want to pay us, we'll run it. Right, like, the, the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ver, versus versus the 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 issue that someone, if you're a in in all meanings of the word, an ISV, an independent software vendor, not a not a CSP or whatever, a cloud vendor, then your dilemma is kind of like, well, you basically have three options: one, make no money, uh, which we call the licensed software, which we've dismissed. Or two, you could OEM the technology to people and just like, you know, sell it to the various cloud providers and get some payment for basically outsourcing that layer, which probably wouldn't work out because the proprietary nature, you, you have to in-house that. And then third, and then also Google's just like, I'm going to destroy this market uh, and then destroy it from a, a perspective of making money directly off of it. And then third, you just have to get purchased by someone to basically do to, to insource the, the technology that they have. That's not right. Yeah. Now, now then the other bogey is like, well, maybe private cloud will always be here. And then enterprises will continue to build gigantic data centers. So we, instead of there being like three big giant clouds, we'll have uh, thousands of, of little private clouds around. And then in that case, the licensed software thing might work out. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think and, the nuance though, there is, you know, in the container, Stuff. I don't maybe you disagree with this. Be interesting. Matt Ray will tell me if I'm wrong. Like containers is so closely associated in my mind with cloud native that you you don't have like this massive legacy install base of software already sitting there. Because I do think you know when they call like another way to think of private cloud. I I don't know. I just like it just simplifies it to me. It's just you need a way to run a lot of legacy software that I I'll be honest with you that it's not going to move forward. I mean whether it's VMware or things that are on older platforms, it just does never make sense to actually try to port all this stuff over. It's like, like it's it, just like going to sit there. And so that that you're going to need a place to do. The right? the, that, uh, the private cloud is our legacy. I mean, it kind of is, right? And I think the way yeah. that that stuff dies off, honestly, is is like entire industries get disrupted and companies go out of business, right? So like, you know, like you always have an insurance company until there's no need for car insurance anymore. And then it would be like, well, okay, well, then that goes away. You know what I mean? You're not going to move all the car insurance software, you know, that's ever been built um, 
to the cloud need of, in, you know, in any realistic time. So that's why I think the cloud thing is kind of more like it's going to be hard, I think, to get a, a container orchestration system using the correct term, you know, really deeply embedded in that legacy world. At least right now, as I look at it, unless someone comes up with some, you know, magic VMware conversion tool to, you know, but that seems very far fetched and again, probably wouldn't well, really I, work. I, I think well. you and have there, just figured out the name of a startup we should do, Convergental. I think I think that <laughs> that is the winner. We'll exit we like three months after founding. It'll be great. Done and done. Done and done. So so yeah, I, they're, they're, there's not going to be. It's kind of like uh, you know the whole Cisco, HP, IBM, VMware. You know all the people who are you know traditional enterprise software. You know it's been said that you know those guys are the the dinosaurs but you know there's still a ton of money there and if you are doing containers and you can figure out how to run in those environments if you're a startup yeah you can still make a lot of money there even if amazon and google are taking you know all the the public cloud play um you know you can still make a hefty hefty amount of money because that stuff's not disappearing for a while mm. you know so so i there's gonna be there's money to be made um, but again, I, I, I see it hard to exceed the money that's been made before doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't have, we don't have much time for a mid roll, but I will <laughs> nonetheless, I, I'll, I'll say on, on November 2nd, I'm going to be in Kansas city. You can come and get some free lunch and uh, see a bunch of slides and, and pivotal cloud foundry stuff and demos. And also next week I'm going to be up in Dallas at an Apogee roadshow. Uh, talking about Pivotal. If you're up in the Dallas area, I think that's on Thursday. I should make sure I know, but uh, you should come up to that. What do, what do you got for us, Matt Ray? Uh, I'm doing the AWS North Shore uh, or North Sydney meetup uh, next week. I'm uh, going to be talking about Habitat and ECS. Mm. So yeah. bring your wraps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, I wanted to put in another thing here. So I've been using this new podcast hosting thing called Fireside.fm. I think it's pretty good. Now, I'm going to keep using the SoundCloud, but if someone wants to sponsor our podcast hosting, I think it would only cost, let me do the math really quick, times 12. It would cost $420 a year and, and probably a little less than that, maybe like $400, $300. But you could be the, uh, the back-end sponsor. Who wouldn't want to be that? <laughs> and, and then I can, I can move this all to Fireside and it'll clean up the way that we operate. But otherwise, I'll just wait till my SoundCloud thing runs out and shift over to it then. So, you know, you know how to contact me for a very low amount of money. You could be, it'll be like the Exponent podcast. It'll be like every episode, MailChimp. We love them. They're great. And then, and then that would be it. Won't be stamps.com though. No, no. We'll, we'll have we'll have one of those dancing cigarette packets come in mid-show and just talk about how uh, how toasted they are. That'll be our that'll be our jam. So uh, with that, uh, how about yourself, Brandon? Recommendations? What do you got this week? Yeah, this week, you know, um, I'm a big fan of the serial podcast, especially season one. So uh, I needed some true crime, so I went out and I found uh, a podcast called The Accused. And it's uh, not surprisingly, it's about someone that was accused of a murder. And it's done, I think, in a similar fashion to Serial. I think it's 10 episodes, kind of going through a cold case and uh, combing through old evidence. So I like that. I like that style. It's, it's pretty well done. I'm not going to say it's on the level of Serial, but it's a, it's a good listen if you're looking for something to kill time in a commute or uh, you know waste time on an airplane. Check out the Accused podcast. Very good. All Yourself, right. Matt Ray. Uh, I've probably probably picked it before, but uh, the Song Exploder podcast uh, is top notch. It has nothing to do with you know tech. Uh, the the author or the host uh, interviews musicians to talk about a particular song. They dissected you know how the different parts came together. Uh, the l- latest one, um, I, I finally broke down. Actually, bought something that. Uh, uh, that I heard on that show. So uh, the tobacco album, um, Sweatbox Dynasty. So that mm. was my pick. Ooh, that sounds good. Well, I yeah. have a podcast. <laughs> I always like that one. Very uh, good Good way to, it's like the greatest way to learn about music without actually taking any music classes, in my opinion. Ooh. Yeah, you know, I've got that one queued up and I need to listen to it sooner or later. I, anyway, oh, I could go on about my podcast queue. So I have, I have three recommendations because I don't remember which ones I've given. So the first one, uh, for all the for all the long term fans out there, I, I want to 
maybe recommend or re-recommend the the Kirkland brand uh, <laughs> brushed khaki pants that they sell for $12 a piece. I'm wearing some right now in the, the dark gray color. I've had these for a couple months, and I've always been searching for those khaki pants that kind of, you know, make you look like James Dean or something. I mean, I don't know, whatever. Like every time I've ever bought khaki, khaki pants, I put them on and I'm like, I look like a fucking idiot, right? Like this is not what I was envisioning. But these pants, one, they're $12. And two, like I think, I think they, you know, they make me feel a little hipstery. You can like roll them up with some no sock shoes situation if you want. And I think, I think uh, it makes you feel good about yourself. And they're comfortable. <laughs> that, that brush stuff gives them that weird soft feeling. It feels synthetic, but it says they're cotton. So I don't know. So then also speaking of not wearing socks with your shoes, I wanted to recommend the next time you're in Barcelona, you go over to La Manuel Alpargatera. I can never pronounce long Spanish words, but it's like this really old shop. And all they do is they make espadrilles, which are these shoes that like have rope on the bottom. And I have a pair that I bought there last time I was there. And I think they're finally wearing out after a couple of years. And they've got like some blue suede on top. That's totally unintentional about Elvis and everything. But they're very comfortable. They're, they're nice shoes to run around in. So you should check that place out. And then finally, the live photos stuff in iOS is pretty awesome. I don't know if you guys have been subjected to my Facebook feed recently. But you can like upload them to Facebook, and if you know to click on them, as my wife pointed out, she always likes to give me some gentle social media consulting. I am not an expert at Facebook where she is, but you got to like click on it. But the live photo thing is great. It's like little miniature movies that you can take. So those are my three recommendations for this episode. Unfortunately, I don't have an associate link to go to that store in Barcelona, so I'm going to lose out on the money. <laughs> Maybe if, if uh, you're headed to the OpenStack Summit, you can pick some up. Ooh, yeah, you know, and I do need a new pair. So if anyone's going to Barcelona, I uh, <laughs> I would be happy to tell you my shoe size. They got it printed right on the bottom, European style. So as always, this has been softwaredefinedtalk.com. If someone did sponsor us to run the back end on fireside.fm, you would be able to go to a real softwaredefinedtalk.com instead of a vanity URL, which will forward you to where we do host it. This is episode number 76. So if you go to cote.io slash 76, you can find the full show notes. And it would be great. We didn't have time to go over it this time, but it'd be great if you went and left a review uh, or, or a, a star rating in iTunes. We're always interested in what you find exciting to purchase at Costco, little finds that you have. You know, I don't spend a lot of time in the office supply section. So if you've got some opinions about that, that would be good. I'd like to know what's going on in that office supply section. Also, that <laughs> section where they sell like car uh, shop rags and car stuff, I don't spend a lot of time there either. So those are two areas, and we'll say some up for later. Basically, if you go into the Austin uh, 183 one, you know there's kind of like, there's like all the electronics and then those shelves between electronics and, and the wine. I don't know what's going on <laughs> over there. That's, that's a no man's land for me. So I would appreciate some people in their reviews telling me what's going on in that, that section of Costco and, you know, kind of curating some stuff for me to find. And, and as always, you should subscribe. That's the best thing to do, and it'll make us happy. And we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>